welcome to the Emergence Discipleship Podcast, created to equip ourselves with insight, background, and context into the themes and topics we study each week, first as we gather together to worship Jesus, and then as we go and make disciples. Let's dive into this week's discussion. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the midway point in the fall 2022 community group season. We are in week five of our series Gospel Mission, and I am joined today by none other than Jordan Marotti. What's going on, you guys? Nice. Welcome, Jordan. I just did the worst drum roll. Yeah, and table. It, it's very uneven. Yeah, and I don't know if it was anywhere near the microphone either. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder well, if people could hear well, it. Well, yeah, I don't, yeah. Well, hopefully it wasn't because that was that was very poor. I would. I'm not gonna. I'm not getting asked to play drums for the worship team at all anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, um, you guys are halfway through. So uh, always welcome feedback. Love to hear how some of these groups are going. Uh, looking forward to meeting some of the. Uh, well, meeting again, some of the Ringwood leaders coming to hang out with you guys up in Ringwood area. I don't know what Enrique has in store for us, but uh, I will see you there. Um, this week, for our Seltzer of the Week, we have something that was contributed from uh, from Ross and Tiffany Buffa hey, hey. Um, of, of uh, Worship Team fame. Yeah, <laughs> Ross on the keys up there. Um and this is, okay, so <laughs> I don't know if I should tell you what they told me. Okay, so first of all, uh, you guys, I don't know if you guys pray for animals, but their dog Arlo has a fracture in his leg. And so Arlo, Arlo, if you could hear me, we love you. <laughs> Hope Arlo's like the splitting image of my dog. Okay, um, sorry. So the seltzer today is, how, how would you pronounce this? I, w- I would say Soleil. Soleil? Okay. Let's say Soleil. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. Have a nice day. Um, is spelled S-O-L-E-I-L. I forget where they told me they got it from, but, um, you know, I'm not going to say anything that they said about it. Uh, I had two cans, but I drank one of them. I drank one this summer. They said they had two cans for me, and they're like, why don't you try it? So I, Ross and I were, uh, were going on a... Tr- we were actually... I'm in Russ's band and uh, we were going to, I think it was Queens we were playing in and I drank it on the way there. So now I only have one can left. So this is not your first experience. Not my first. Well, it's not the first time I'm with the seltzer that I've had before. So I filled them pretty high. Okay. So this is the Soleil. I don't know. I forgot if I said this. This is the lime. Just straight up lime is what this is. Lime Soleil. And I've had a lot of lime seltzers. This is probably the most unique. So, um, not much to smell. Like, in That's fact, if somebody was like, I squeezed dish soap into this water, <laughs> I'd be like, it kind of smells like that. You know, it's, it's always funny to hear what your thoughts are <laughs> while I'm also standing here about to give my own thoughts because instantly I'm comparing them. And I was like, this smells really nice. <laughs> and you're like, smells like dish soap. And so now I'm now I'm questioning myself. Like, smells I don't think very much like dish soap. I don't think it does smell do nice you, anymore. <laughs> do you disagree? No, I think it smells nice. Yeah, it do, it's very subtle. Yeah, it's like here's just a hint of lime. This again, I'm kind of you're gonna notice this comment. I feel like a lot, but with any lime seltzer, most of the time I'm just like, this is what I think Sprite's supposed to be. Uh, yeah, that was you know? last week. I had one in here that was very Spriteish. All right, let's go. Very unique lime. Oh, whoa. Yeah. 
I would say it tastes. It tastes like lime zest. I think, mm-hmm. like lime peel yeah. and yeah, like zest. Li- I was gonna say lime like peel. Like you know, it's like you, you ever suck an actual lime, mm-hmm. and you're like, I wish I didn't do that. It's kind of like that. <laughs> it's kind of like that. <laughs> okay, so I like this. I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of yeah. like just straight lime seltzers, but. I, I appreciate how subtle this is. Like if seltzer's supposed to be like a water replacement, right? Yeah. Like I'm not huh. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I want some fancy water. Like I would yeah, take this as fancy, fancy water. water. Yeah, fancy water yeah. for if, sure. If someone's trying to tell me like, oh, I drink seltzer instead of things like soda or coffee or et cetera, I'd be like, No. Yeah. Not that not this one. Yeah, it, it dominates, um or it doesn't dominate so much. Like I could see mm-hmm. it going with a lot of things, this seltzer. Yeah. Um, okay. Enjoy so, this with a good plate of tacos. So this was, yeah, yeah, it would be good. Cause it also tastes very natural. Yeah. It's like very, na- like sometimes I make like, um, pico de gallo at home or something like that. Nice. And I'll forget that I have, that I don't have any limes. I made Thai food last week and forgot that I didn't have any limes. Mm. I, you, you I feel like you could thai put food. some of this in there, like instead of water. Yeah. Like sizzle in the pan, a little bit yeah. of this stuff. Yeah. 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 And, and you'd get the a good lime flavor out of it. Now I'll just disclose that the the buffas are not of our opinion on this. Oh, do they? They, do they gave like this it? to me as like we've got this disgusting seltzer for you, <laughs> and <laughs> and I don't know if I'm quite there, guys. I don't know if I'm quite there on it being. I can see how if you're expecting one thing and you get this, you might be disappointed. Like if I'm expecting Jordan not to spill seltzer on electronics on the desk. Yeah. And then that, that if that happens, that would <laughs> that be really disappointing. <laughs> that didn't happen. I thought it was about it to. It was about to. Yeah. The hair the hair on your chest stood up. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. So how are we rating this? This is one through five. Uh, one through five bubbles. I, I feel like to give it one would be insulting. Mm. So I'm going to give it two. You're gonna give it two. Okay, it's that two. low. I thought you were I, the way you were speaking it up. I thought you were higher on. No, that. I would still choose water over this. Really? Oh, yeah, gosh. <laughs> yeah. oh my goodness! You're not making it out to any commercials with that. No, I'm not. <laughs> I would choose water over this. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, sounds like sounds like Ross and Tiffany have found a kindred spirit. I'm gonna go bold. I'm gonna give this four. Really, you like it that I much? I actually like. I find it very refreshing. I find it very natural tasting, and it makes me want to eat like good Mexican food. It does. I mean, I am. I am suddenly craving tacos after that taco comment. That's yeah, real. Right? I will be right back. Let's uh, pause this and go to Taco Affair. <laughs> which, I mean, the taco affair is kind of like Americanized tacos, that's but true. it's very good if you haven't you, been there. If you want more. like kimchi, in kimchi a taco, and tacos, go for that's it. That's a place. The place down by Cyclecraft in. Uh, Are you in talking about Garibaldi's? Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's a Peruvian like, Mexican. Right by. Um, oh man, that place right is by awesome. Spice Grill. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Garibaldi is awesome. And what's that place in Bootin? That. Uh, oh, that uh, is. That, that, not, um, uh, oh, uh, Lamex Lamex Teca. Lamex. Te- oh yeah, yeah. Butler is what I. Butler. It's funny. I was thinking Butler said Bootin, and I was thinking Lamex Teca, mm-hmm. and I said the wrong town, but you still, I still knew what knew I was, what you were talking yes, about. Yeah. Lamex Teca is very Lamex good. Teca. I Our, make that Butler Bootin thing all the time. I'm it, constantly confusing the two. Yeah. Of them. I get, I think if I lived there, I might not confuse them. But you know, who I know, probably who knows? still would. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's get into this week's study guide, shall we? Let's do it. All right. So, um, actually, the announcements are pretty much the same as last week. So don't worry too much about that except for the fact that 
the whole boxes of love thing is uh, now sail- sailing through the air, and uh, so you can't get aboard. If you you if you don't have a box already, good luck acquiring one. At least that's my understanding of it. Um, so just make sure you bring them back by Sunday. No turkeys in them. Just turkey vouchers. We've already had this discussion about how much we like that uh, thing that Matt made for us back in the day for the I, Sunday. I appreciate clip. that his voice still opens this podcast. I know, I know. Yeah. 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 And yeah, his voice is on the podcast too. That's right. Yeah. Um, okay. So our icebreaker for this week What is the greatest act of friendship ever, any, anyone has ever shown you? Good luck. Whoa. I should be like, one lays down his life for his friends, Jesus off limits. Cause obviously who's going to beat that. You're not going to top that. Yeah. Right. And so it won't be as like, you know, as much variety in answers. So, all right. Well, that's a really tough question. It's a tough question that I don't feel inclined to answer right now. I don't either. I hope you guys have some good discussions about <laughs> it. <laughs> Let's move right along. So our text for this week is acts 18, one through 16. It'd be good if I had a Bible. There we go. Uh, and it would be good if it was open to Acts 18. And um, the way in which I summarize the message is that God gives us what we need to faithfully proclaim his gospel. All right. Yes, he does. Let's rock and roll now. All right. Well, why don't I kick us off and read through some of this study guide stuff Absolutely. for us. So we kick it off and we say, this week we learn about Paul's year and a half gospel ministry in the city of Corinth. Throughout the New Testament, we see his incredible devotion to the church there, which through all their dysfunction proved to be a source of great joy to him. Um, So let's begin by considering his reflections on his time there in his first letter to Corinth. So why don't we read 1 Corinthians 2, uh, 1 through 5. Why don't we? Why don't you read it, Doug? All right, sounds good. Editorial we. All right. The royal we. The royal we. (laughs) The we of self-deliberation. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, Doug, why, uh, what does Paul mean when he dis- when he says that he decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified? And why is that the right mindset for gospel-centered ministry? Mm, very good question. Yeah. What do you think? No. <laughs> <laughs> Turn it back around. Yeah, Taking yeah. turns. You read. So mm. I'm questioning you. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, <laughs> you know, I think one thing, I mean, this, I don't think this just means that Paul showed up and all he had with him was like a four spiritual laws gospel track, you know, like the only thing was just like the core of the gospel, right? Because there's, there's a lot that is in Jesus Christ, right? So like things, but, but I think the idea here is that, um, uh, if you look at the, if you look at the, 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 the letter of first Corinthians, a lot of it has to do with these hierarchical structures that have developed in the church, almost where they've taken the worldly pecking order 
and transferred it into the church. So mm. the ones who are powerful in the world are people who are good at all kinds of stuff. They're people who are really smart. They're people who have a lot of money. And that's who the people... And that's uh, we're going to replicate that in the church. They, you know, those people. So, like the those people start rising to the top, whereas the others start and and you start getting factions and things like that. And I think the fact that he says Jesus Christ and him crucified, right? Because how does he start using the message of the cross here in the beginning of First Corinthians? He starts. He's talking about how it's folly to the world, but it's wisdom to God. How. Um, you know, because we proclaim a crucified Messiah, like that's that's like world upside down stuff right there, right? That our King, our Lord, our God is one who has died the most humiliating mm-hmm. death of a slave, you know, and that, that this is the Jesus whom he came proclaiming to, to them. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think the idea here is that like this is the right mindset for gospel-centered ministry because like— there's, there's, if we don't come in the utmost humility mm-hmm. to people, not presenting ourselves as people who are smart and have all the answers and things like that, um, or people who have it all together, right? Like, we need to remember that, like, there's a sense in which the way in which we come at people with the gospel reflects the actual message that we speak. Yeah. So that's kind of like my roundabout way. I So in other words... I think it's the whole package, Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is the Jesus we came proclaiming to you, not... And this, like, uh, you kind of think of it, like, maybe to put it in kind of Lutheran terms, that it's a theology of the cross versus a theology of glory. Hmm. Um, Yeah. Any thoughts on that one, JM? I I just think it's cool. I don't know if this is really, like, answering your question, um, just kind of adjacent to it. I think it's really cool that Paul's intentional about how he's going to go about it in this city. Mm, like, he, like he changes that from place to place right here. He decided to know nothing among them except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Whereas two weeks ago, uh, we are highlighting as we talk about Paul in Athens rather than Corinth, that he knows their poets. He knows their prophets. Yeah. He knows their philosophers. He can speak to what their understandings are. And it's like, no, 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 this place, the Holy Spirit put it on Paul's heart to be like, focus here on the humility of Christ and his cross, Mm, Um, Yeah, which I think is interesting. I I have to imagine from my own personal experience that that probably looked something like he got there and started teaching, realized some of the struggles that they had Mm. or some of the expectations that they had, and then like spoke the gospel directly to them in this. And Mm. it happened to be Christ and him crucified in that sense. Right. Um, Yeah. Because the primarily, I feel like more often than not, you see this, uh, either equal or higher uh, um, amount of priority given to Christ and him resurrected in mm-hmm. that conversation. Yeah, this yeah, he's yeah. particular to say Christ and him crucified, which yeah. I, I see that as a particular to his ministry here, which I think is interesting. Yeah. 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 It, it is interesting that he mentions that, that there and he doesn't mm-hmm. say crucified and, and raised, although he makes a big deal about the resurrection elsewhere in the letter. Clearly, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how you mentioned the intent intentionality. I decided mm-hmm. to make, to know nothing else among yeah. you. Like, um, he went into it real being like, okay, Paul, remember, let's mm-hmm. keep it about this. Yeah. And like, um, he knew if I, it, it, I almost read, you could read it kind of shallowly, but I think there's something really true in it to say, mm. I'm not showing you, I don't care. It doesn't matter who I am. I'm just going to be the messenger. 
Yeah. It's like completely in this place. I'm going to completely remove myself from this category. And like that way, you'll, you'll know that everything that happened was strictly the power of God. There was none of me in it. I just, I just knew Christ and him crucified to you and nothing else. Which Um, is, which is very much in line with what he's, the message he's trying to get into them now, mm -hmm. get through to them right now in the, in the letter M. Yeah. So cool. Um, Let's check out this next question then. When was the time when God showed his power through your weakness? Oh, boy. Um, I think that uh, one thing that that comes to mind in me is, like, I feel that the most effective times that I have of ministering to my children is when I'm apologizing to them and asking for forgiveness. That's a cool image. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like, you know, I I do... um, like maybe maybe I got overly frustrated and you know wasn't mm. kind or something, but mm. I, because I th- I think that um, or or for whatever the many things I would have to apologize my kids about, I feel that a big part of instilling a Christian worldview in them is instilling one of grace and forgiveness, mm-hmm. and if it's just like Dad knows everything, everything Dad says goes, and he's the one who's always right, and whether it's in what he's doing, how he's doing it or whatever. Mm. Obviously that's an exaggeration. I don't know if there's a lot of people who, who think that there, that that would actually be the dynamic, but, but what you, what you do, I think to make yourself humble before your children can be very, uh, very important. So that can be very powerful experience. Not, not to be funny, but like that, that's true that (laughs) God, yeah, God's, (laughs) God's power can be seen and communicated in those experiences. That's true of just uh, speaking as someone who doesn't have children. That's true of just relationships in general. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. One of the first things I thought of was how, when you think through like the sins in your life that you hit, um, uh, uh, come up time and time again. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, one thing that Tyler Shinicki, uh, one of our co-directors of youth ministry here, talks about a lot. I hear him say um, that those are actually like the greatest avenues of grace in your life because they're the things you, where you get to see God forgive you over mm-hmm. and over and over. And that is like his power on display in that sense, too. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Like what? that's one of the great things about getting back up on your horse after falling to sin or something. Mm-hmm. It's like. All uh, right, this was never about my righteousness, and you've made that very clear that it's <laughs> that that's also a very good thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, think about what you guys can come up with for that. You know, what you might want to share about yourselves. This would might be a really good opportunity. You know, we often say that you get the level of transparency that you're willing to give, mm-hmm. and so you know, being pretty, uh, being sharing wisely about yourself here could be be helpful yeah it's always beneficial to have these things thought through when you go into these conversations but this one uh really in particular if you have just in your own story like Mm -hmm. a good a good example of god showing his power through your own weakness the one that you're willing to share from then it's a cool night in your community group to get to uh glorify god through that experience right like you can share that here and here's a cool avenue to share that yeah you said you share it to the glory of god yeah exactly um so ryan structured the sermon around some various things that god gives us so that we can be faithful in proclaiming the gospel and so we've got some like header uh, subtitles of each of those things that doug wrote out here um can i just read acts 18 1 to 4 for us you can what's the first thing he gives us the first thing he gives us is is friends yes i was thinking because it's halloween 
You could write fiends. Yeah, I, I appreciate Whoa. that. Oh, oh, I appreciate oh. that you're mentioning it, whether you did it or not. It would have been <laughs> nice just to, to write it and call it a typo. That would have been a good typo, yeah. Like, is it a typo? Whoops. <laughs> All right, chapter 18 in Acts, verses 1 to 4. Um, and I arbitrarily picked the NLT because that's what's on my iPad right now. Nice. Um, then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. They had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers just as he was. Each Sabbath found Paul at the synagogue, trying to convince the Jews and Greeks alike. All right. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, leaders in the sermon, Ryan spoke of an extra-biblical source that may refer to the same expulsion of the Jews from Rome, mentioned here in Luke's introduction, to Priscilla and Aquila. The reference is to Suetonius, a Roman historian who was born in 69 AD, so he's writing after this, but he's one of our best sources for this, and who wrote biographies of 12 Roman emperors or Caesars. In his book, Life of Claudius, he writes, Since the Jews constantly made disturbances at the instigation of Crestus, he expelled them from Rome. Now, while Crestus was also a personal name in antiquity, many scholars believe this is a confused spelling of Christos, referring to the uproar created by the preaching about Jesus. This likely happened in 49 AD, strengthening the link to what Luke reports here because of the date of Paul's ministry in Corinth. See the note on Gallio below. So it's a little bit lengthy, but I do like those places in Acts where you get like some some helpful, and there are a lot more than these actually, but you get some helpful little uh, little historical anchors. There's actually another one in this chapter that I think I wrote about. Yes, good. I, I did include that in the notes. All right, so having said that, I love the, it also kind of takes you off track. Or like, wait, I thought I was talking about friends. Now we're talking about Suetonius. About Crestus and Suetonius. That's right. Yeah. Why is cultivating good friendships with like-minded believers a critical part of having a fruitful ministry? Oh, well, how about that life is really hard? Yeah. Life is really hard no matter what you're doing or who you're doing it with. But um, when you are running into the difficulty of life in the context of trying to like pour yourself out and help, help people. Yeah. Even there's a lot of different ways to pour yourself out and help people. But like in a ministerial context, right? Like I'm trying to, I'm trying, been praying for my coworker and they're just making, they're just making fun of me and whatnot or mm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's really important to be able to walk alongside someone who can encourage you and uplift you and be like, no, you are doing the right thing. Yeah. Like, you should keep praying for that person. Or you mean like, we shouldn't just leave it to like our own whims as to whether or not, as to what we should be doing. And we probably what shouldn't. What read on certain situations are. And not just our own whims, but how about our own views on what we think about things, right? Yeah. Like I, oh, and I read this, when I read this verse, I, I get this, this, and this. It's like, okay, well. That might that might be great. What does your neighbor think when they yeah. read that verse? Because they also have the Holy Spirit in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They also have the Spirit, right? Yeah, it's a community asp. It's a community thing. Yeah, it's like mm -hmm. basically like all the all the benefits of of community. I think I think in there you could throw in accountability, mm. right? Like I know that like I, I don't know. I I feel like a lot of <laughs> uh, a lot of um, the 
better decisions that I make in my life have to do with good prior decisions to include people in my life, in my life, if that makes sense. Like mm -hmm. the fact that I've established relationships with people means that like I can't just slide off and disappear and do do shady stuff. Uh, it's helpful, you know, it kind of like it's, it's so in some sense, friends are guardrails too. It anchors you a bit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's yeah. true. And I think like seeing, seeing Christ modeled in other people's lives is, is a huge part of it. Mm -hmm. It's a huge part of it too. Like this is what it actually looks like to. Yeah. This is, this is a really important point. You know, all, all of these are, um, but recognizing that friendships, uh, and with like-minded believers is a gift from God. Mm -hmm. um, there are plenty of people who do not have those kind of like deep walking, transparent friendships. Yep. Um, and uh, some, some of us in our own community don't. Um, and it's, it's really, really valuable to know that like, no, this is a gift from God. Yeah. It's something that um, like take, take heart. If you feel like you don't have a close, close transparent friendship right now, like the reality is as someone unified with the church with the holy spirit in you um like that's something that the church values and like we all want uh we all want to acknowledge is actually like a gift from god it's not something you can just like like um make happen on a whim right like god actually gives us those friendships i think of like um david and jonathan mm -hmm. and like the like the yeah. tight-knit relationship that they have um it's like clearly actually something that is like a blessing from the creator yeah yeah. 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 Friendships as a gift from God. I, I always tell people, uh, you become like who you spend your time with also. Mm. Um, who is someone God has given you as a friend to strengthen your walk with Christ and to help you better serve him? Uh, I mean, I think like the big one for me, of course, is my wife, mm. you know, my, my best friend, uh, in, in the world. And, um, she just knows me like nobody else does. And, um, She's the one who's always there, kind of, um, <laughs> I don't know, she's, all the benefits of friendship are just, like, always there with, you know, because of her in my life. Um, but, you know, outside of that, like, uh, I don't know, I've been thinking a lot lately, actually, Jordan, about how glad I am you are, <laughs> that the, the friendship that we've um, developed, especially since you've, when you've, uh, since you've amped up your time here, mm. you know. Um, I feel the same way, yeah. Doug. Oh, look at that. We're going to pause this and just hug for a few minutes. <laughs> okay, right, we're, we're back. back. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually, no, it's kind of like, um, not to say that like friends can be replaced by others, but like, I think my, probably like my best friend on staff here was Matt, you mm -hmm. know, the creative director guy for those mm -hmm. of you guys who don't know. And he splits and goes to North Carolina because he's a loser. No, just kidding. Uh, no, South Carolina. I was going to say, South you're saying Carolina. North to protect so, his, his that's security. Like protect so that you guys can't show. Because <laughs> if I give the state, you'll know just where he is. <laughs> you know, and he's, he's, he's gone on and he's doing great stuff down there. And then, like, within, like, a few weeks, Jordan is, they're like, Jordan's full-time here now. So, hmm. or something. I don't remember the timeline. Something but like it that, worked yeah. out, you know, it works well. So, um Okay. God, God's faithful to give you the desires of the heart, Doug. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Now, I forget where he mentioned this in the message, but I do want to say that uh, I think it was here that I he mentioned like financial support as a small part. Yeah, I how we see this transition where when the friends come, I think it's in this when, next verse, yeah. when the friends come, then he devotes himself fully. Because, because they would have brought like support mm -hmm. from them. 
Um, I did not include that on the study guide. Yeah. Uh, because that's actually based on. I'm not disagreeing with it. Mm. I'm just saying like it's uh, it's based on a specific way of translating this verse mm. of. Um, taking the imperfect verb as ingressive. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, we're not going to get into that. Um, but so so uh, I just didn't really know a good way to incorporate that because I know that people reading some translations would be like, wait, how the heck did you get that from this? Mm. And just wanted to spare everybody from that and spare myself time writing emails. Um, so it's really a selfish thing. <laughs> but uh, um, as I apply lip balm, let's look at the next one. Open doors and unlikely converts. So uh, Acts uh, 18, 5 through 8. I've got it queued up, or did then, you want to read? I mean, I also have it queued up. All right. Uh, I read the first one. You rock, want to take scissors, papers. <laughs> rock, paper, rock, scissors, as Ben calls it. Oh, no, <laughs> okay. he's so weird. Barbecue, not a cookout. Okay. <laughs> oh, man, both scissors. All right, All right, paper, okay. You're reading. All right, uh, that was paper beats rock. Okay, uh, when Silas and <laughs> Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. Okay. I love this verse. I don't know why this but, feels very, it just feels very much like telling the story. This is your life verse. <laughs> yeah. There's right. just, there's something about it. feels very narrative. I really appreciate it. There's like moments because the Bible can be very confusing and weird. Mm. Right. Which I also love, but sometimes it's like <laughs> for different reasons, but sometimes it's just, I feel like I'm reading a story like, and this is one of those things. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, like it's it's very it's very earthy and grounded. I feel like yeah. just like that, that he's just mentioning names just because he knows the names. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's like, yeah. So he went to T- uh, Titius Justice's house. He lived next door, and <laughs> yeah, this guy next door. <laughs> yeah, I also I love. I don't know if you're gonna go into this. I haven't actually read through, but I love that he just goes to the closest next oh, house. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. No, I mentioned it. I mentioned okay. it that it's okay. right next door. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So all right. Yeah. So initially, Paul encounters closed doors at Corinth. I put those in quotation marks because, you know, obviously some good stuff does happen. They're not mm-hmm. perpetually closed. The Jewish audience in the synagogue not only didn't believe, but they opposed and reviled him. In response, he shakes out his garments, a symbolic gesture, declares himself innocent, and declares their blood to be on their own heads. What is meant by this, and what does it imply about our responsibility to share the gospel? I was first exposed to this verse in Ezekiel. Hmm. Um, yes. When I was a senior in high school. A wee lad. And it fr- no, well, yeah, but it freaked me out. <laughs> it freaked me out. Like, oh man, if I, if I, everyone I walk past on the street, if I don't tell them the gospel, then their blood is on my hands. Yeah. Like, which now I look back on and go, <laughs> I didn't really understand the grace of God very well. Yeah. When I, when I felt that exact fear. Yeah. You know, um, but it is, it's, it, I think you should wrestle. I think you should let it freak you out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is God's, uh, God's words to Ezekiel. You're talking about like, uh, yeah. Um, it's Ezekiel three. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. like his commissioning. Um, and, and there, I, I think it's, I think it's like double too, because it's like, 
um, it's actually like very encouraging, uh, like how mm-hmm. he words it here. So, mm-hmm. uh, for example, he says things like, uh, "The Spirit entered into me and sent me up, set me on my feet, and I heard Him speaking to me, and He said to me, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to a nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this day." Um, it talks about how stubborn they are, and it says whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. They will know that a prophet has been among them. You know, be not afraid of them or, or their words, though briars uh, and thorns be with you, and sit on uh, and you sit on scorpions. Don't be afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. And you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. Hmm. And then it goes on to what you say, where it's like, there. If you don't speak, their blood is upon you. But if they, if you do, their blood is what they do with it it's upon like them. About to kind of just meditate on the responsibility of the knowledge of the one who knows true life. Yeah. Right? Like. Yeah. What's you, your responsibility? It's kind of that whole like um that pendulette image you talk about a lot. It's like if you can see the truck coming, it's mm. your it's it ends. There's this element of like, well, is it your fault if someone gets hit by it when you could have grabbed them? Yeah. Um, this is a tough question. Yeah. It's a really tough question. Yeah. Exactly. Um. And so, yeah, so that that seems to kind of like be lurking in the background. And this is one of those things. I mean, I guess where you talk about like when you were a kid and you first heard that, like there's an element to truth to that, mm-hmm. you know, like that should make us uncomfortable. That should yeah. make the one with the word of God a little uncomfortable. Like maybe mm-hmm. I'm because I'm never doing as much as I could or should be doing. Mm. And um and that's exactly what prophecy is supposed to do, right? Yeah. It's supposed to prod supposed you prod to, you in that way yeah. into that discomfort zone. Yeah. It's super sure. convicting in like the, the, the staunchest way. Yeah. I, I don't think that it should result in you living in a fear that has no grounding in the grace of God anymore. Right. That's yes. what I think I landed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. was first exposed to me. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And and I think Ezekiel is also a book where you get the strong like each one shall die for his own sin mm-hmm. kind of thing, like a repudiation almost of like the corporate justice com- concept, uh, which isn't like totally irrelevant, uh, you know, irrelevantized is what I was going to say. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, so, so you know, it does, it does need balance, this, this concept, this idea. Like it's not as if like someone else is sitting and it's your fault or something like that, but... But yeah, I mean, it should, that passage should make you uncomfortable. Um, and so, so here, yeah. So that's the idea, right? That, that um, his, his responsibility has been done. He has given his good faith effort. He's given his conscience is clear. Conscience and is clear towards them. This is also like a very clear callback to Christ telling his disciples to shake the dust off their feet when they yeah. visit a town that, re- that uh, rejects them. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in fact, even the concept of a person of peace, which Ryan mentioned, mm-hmm. is also, you know, is that similar to his sending, to his sending of them? That's true. The person of peace was if you go into the town, you find someone who's peaceful. Like, yeah, that's, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. <laughs> stay with them. Yeah, stay with yeah. that person of peace. Um, in your own efforts to share God's truth, have you ever been in a situation where it was appropriate to recognize the door as closed? And then to use your time and efforts more wisely doing something else. Yes, I have a, I have a, um, like a rebuke and a warning on this one. All right, let's you hear ready? it. You ready? Let's um, hear them both. You, okay, Christians are really good sometimes at faking friendships. Oh my gosh! Sorry, 
it's really true. Christians can be really good at faking friendships with non-believers because your goal is to believe oh, okay. them. All right, I see where you're going with this. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's where I'm. That's where I'm going with it, and that's where I'm sticking. Mm. Um, warning: the Holy Spirit saves people. Yeah, not us. Um, and our job is to love people, right? So, how do we balance that truth with the truth here of shake the dust off your feet and keep going? It's like use your energies wisely, but like don't um you don't want to find yourself in a position where you have disconnected yourself from someone who was becoming a friend and a close friend because that they because they have not been receiving the gospel like you want them to yeah 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 um that is tricky um and i i guess it's tricky because like again like the you do want to be genuine friends with somebody, mm-hmm. but friendships take a lot of time. Yes, they do. And if it's an ev- if it's evident that a person is closed, like to what extent does that affect the amount of time you spend with them? Yeah. If you well, that, are being the conversation a- about the priority of your time usage yeah. in your life mm-hmm. and your responsibility to the people around you, yeah, I feel like is slightly different yeah. than this conversation about mm-hmm. how do you use your um, like energies well. Yeah, to see the gospel go forward, it's yeah. like: Are you actually produ- are you putting yourself in a space where you can see some gospel fruit? Um, I feel like is is basically I, 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 my like warning mm-hmm. is I have seen often in my life people will befriend people in an effort yes. to evangelize them. Yes, and then when they are when that like e- effort fails in that sense, now this person who had a friend in a Christian mm-hmm. no longer has a friend in a Christian and they feel like they've been projectized. Which actually dovetails very nicely into kind of what I'm getting at in the next question. Okay. So how should we proceed in the future in situations and relationships where we have found closed doors? And I think we've already kind of answered a bunch of that. Mm. And the thing that I think is interesting, especially when you're thinking about this passage, right? So it's easy to just focus on the um, shaking off, shaking his clothes, declaring himself innocent. There, your blood is on your own heads. Then what happens though? He goes next door, right? So he's still in the. Mm-hmm. There's no way that they're like, well, I guess we're done with Paul. Like, no, he's next. We can hear his voice through the walls here, you know. <laughs> like, um, and then the ruler of the synagogue, Crispus ends up getting saved. Yeah, it's interesting and, that that happens after. Yeah, right. That that. It feels like it would have made sense to put that right before yeah. he goes next door. But well, it's, because it's, it's it's apparently the, the best explanation for it, I think, is that it's chronological. Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so it's, it's um, um, I think that's like a, a very important, you know, thing to, to keep in mind is that like Paul did all those things, like he washed his hands of the situation, but like there's clearly evidence here that he also stayed in some sort of contact with them like in enough contact that whatever it was it eventually turns their leaders their leader to faith in christ mm-hmm. um and i just think that's 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 uh that's a you know an important thing to keep in mind that that the i that um saying i've i've done what i can here mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. not antithetical to having some sort of ongoing genuine relationship yeah. and to god 
working in the future in this person's life. Yeah, it's it's one of those places where the Bible holds a puzzle, and it's like all over the place in the Bible, right? But well, here's the puzzle. Um, they're rebuking and reviling, so he goes next door and washes his hands of the situation. Yeah. And then the leader of the synagogue is 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 a, becomes a believer and is saved. So you yeah. have to go as you read this. What happened? Yeah. What what was what it? changed? And, and we're not told. Exactly. We're, we're not given a lot of details. Yeah. And I, I I don't know. I I'm comfortable to say that that's okay. That we're not told. Oh because yeah. Because we have like we have our own life experiences. We yeah. can fill in that gap with and go. Well, what what would have happened to get from here to there? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And like you said, like they probably different. sustained a relationship of some kind, or yeah. at least um, he was still sustainably like visible to them his, in his, in his, his life. His line was still in the water, as I like to say. Yeah, you that's know? a good way to say it. Yeah. I, I fun fact too, you know, in the beginning of First Corinthians, where he's, um, where Paul is talking about like how he's he didn't come to baptize but to preach the gospel, mm. and apparently, and he says, "I'm thankful I didn't I, <laughs> that I baptized none of you, except Crispus and Gaius." So he mentions Crispus there. That's cool. And, and um, you know, because his point there is apparent. Because again, the Corinthian church is just all into this one-upmanship. Eventually, like you don't get the the idea of that in Acts, but um, eventually it becomes that. And you could, that what apparently is going on there is that like some of them are like, well, I got baptized by this guy and I was baptized by this guy. And Paul's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm glad none of you can, I, I didn't do that many baptisms there. Well, I guess except Christus. <laughs> yeah, Christmas. except for these guys. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, so any, any anywho, um, in verse 7, we meet a man named Titius Justus who lived next to the synagogue and welcomed Paul, apparently embracing the saving message of Christ. One can imagine what effect this must have had on those who had rejected Christ as they came and went from the synagogue. What encouragement can we take from this in our efforts to share the gospel? Man, I feel like we were covering a lot of this stuff already. Yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> it, it's interesting just to pull it back to this main header point here. Yeah. Um, Titius Justice and Crispus both hit the unlikely convert mm. uh, category. Yeah. Um, and as far as God allowing us to see him uh, bring people that you would not expect to yeah. life in the gospel, that that whole experience, like us getting to see that, is a gift of God that encourages us in... Um, in faithfully proclaiming the gospel going yeah. forward, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I think I think um, I I think exactly like like what would have what would it have been like like going next? I and mean, this is obviously speculation, but going right next door to Titius's house and being like, um, like I'm here proclaiming the Jewish Messiah. By the way, the synagogue in this town next door they kicked me out because they don't want to hear it anymore. You know, like yeah. Like that, that you think that would hurt credibility, but something about Paul and his message, you know, just well, I mean, obviously, Some, something yeah, about it, Doug. something or someone, not <laughs> someone a, not about a thing, it, not a it, but a he. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it must have been super encouraging to Paul too. We don't yeah. necessarily think that way often when we read his stories, because again, like Ryan mentioned this this week, like we kind of think of Paul as Superman. Yeah. Um, but like it would have been super encouraging to Paul if he's like mid getting reviled and rebuked and he's like I guess like you could you could be tempted to think like well no one here is going to hear it. Yeah. And he goes over to the very next house. Yep. And there's someone who believes. Yeah. He's like oh okay. And you take a snapshot of it and at any snap any point in the snapshot and this is I think relevant to a lot of ministries right like there's plenty of snapshots you can take where it looks discouraging. Mm-hmm. Like 
oh, you went to Corinth. How'd it go there? Like, if he talked, like, the day that happened, you'd be yeah. like, oh, the whole synagogue thinks I'm an, a loser and an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, then, and then I'm full of it. We need and, to cultivate eyes that see further down the road in but, uh, that. Yeah. yeah. And then, but I did, I did leave the one guy who lives next door. You know, and again, another snapshot where he'd be like, all right, well, it'd be better if you got more converts in the synagogue. You know, mm-hmm. that's how it's typically gone. But no, and eventually this turns into a, you know, a, a, a church. Yeah, and um, also from there, Crispus, mm-hmm. the leader of the synagogue and everyone in his household. Yep, yep, yeah, well. from there. And then and then Crispus. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, though, though we are not told how, Paul's persistent ministry right next door to the synagogue eventually got through to Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue. Given the initial response of the Jewish worshipers, this is unexpected. What does this teach us about our continued efforts to reach those who have been closed to the gospel? I think it's an amazing example of how we are not the ones who save people. Mm-hmm. God's God like opens hearts. Yeah. God opens, and he does opens it when eyes, he wants. and He does it when He wants, yeah. and He does it to His glory. Um, and there's something in this story about. Paul getting reviled and rebuked and then going to the next house, et cetera, et cetera, that glorifies God in Crispus and the household of the leader of the synagogue, like coming to faith after Paul's already been kicked out. Think about the difficulty that it would mean in Crispus's life mm. to acknowledge that, no, actually, I do think yeah, Jesus yeah, is this Yeah, yeah, going Messiah. back and being like, you know what? And you walk back into that synagogue, he goes, well, <laughs> no, great, now I'm the it's one who point. has to go in and get reviled and yeah, rebuked yeah. right, by my own people. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. All right, the next thing that God gives us in our efforts to share the gospel is the promises of God, his own promises. So as Paul experienced in Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea, to say nothing of his other missionary journeys, I like the exclamation point this week. To say nothing of his other missionary journeys. journeys. Oh, that sounded Um, like it was all caps. (laughs) That's right. It's like it's like Steve. It's like an email that Steve wrote. (laughs) I always joke with him and say that like it's it's uh, it's always gonna every sentence has to end with an exclamation point and questions and statements that would normally end with an exclamation point should have two exclamation points. That's how you do it. I'm just joshing you, Steve. We love you. Love you. Enjoy your flight. <laughs> Steve's on an airplane right now. Or he's probably landed. He's probably back on the ground at this point. I don't Ho- even know hopefully. where he went. All I know is he's on an airplane. He's in Salt Lake City. For I all think. I know, it could have been Newark to Newark. Like he just <laughs> enjoyed being in the air. I think he just went across the country. It's he's, like a five five hour flight today. He's with the Mormons. <laughs> he's with a, a group of executive pastors. I That's think. That's right. He's with a bunch of Mormons. We're thinking about forming a church partnership. Uh, if you haven't already, buy some black pants and white uh, button-down shirts. While, while you're mid-joke, before we move on to the promises of God, I hope you don't ride a bike. <laughs> I'm gonna. Uh, I think it's just worth saying this. Uh, this. What does the past question before we jumped into the promises of God comment mm-hmm. and before we started joking about Steve flying? Yeah. Um, as a community group leader, speaking seasonally through what it looks like to have a like a healthy group, sometimes what is a healthy group for one season or another or for a few weeks or another doesn't really look like one. Sometimes it looks like just like the couple people that did show up or the conversation that didn't go deep or the relationships that didn't feel like they formed. Mm. Like you made that snapshot comment. That's really applicable to leading community groups. Mm. That's incredibly applicable to that because it does not like one or two bad weeks in a community group does not make 
uh, does not mean that your group is awful and bound to die. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. It's just really worth saying. It's something I was or, thinking about while you were saying people, it. Or like few people, like not, not that many people coming. Yeah. 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 Yeah, sorry, we can resume. That was like a really important point. I no, feel that like is it's worth point. worth pointing out. Yeah, yeah. You never know. You never know where you're, where um, you know what that's going to grow into. Yeah. Um, it's like all, kind of, I guess, all of that to say that, like Paul's, Paul's shaking out his clothes, you know, declaring himself innocent and telling them their blood is on their own head is not the same of him stopping ministry altogether to them and, yeah. and just cutting them off. Yeah. It's not the same thing. We read yeah. that symbolism poorly. Yeah. poorly yeah. You got to read that. the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, so, um, so at any rate, as he experienced in all these other cities, success in ministry is often the precursor to intense persecution as a word of encouragement. Jesus appeared to Paul in a vision, probably a dream. So now let's read about that. <laughs> Acts 18, 9 through 11, and I believe it is your turn. I think it is my turn, if that's what we're going to do. So one night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack and harm you. For many people in this city belong to me. So Paul stayed there for the next year and a half, teaching the word of God. All right. Is that still the NLT? It is still the NLT. Oh, surprisingly close to the ESV. Okay. I I, um, I love the NLT. I love it for the Hebrew Bible more so than the New Testament, but it's it's mm. really readable, and I really appreciate comparing it to things like ESV or whatnot. Very nice. Yeah. We should do some kind of talk sometime on Bible translations. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, God's promise to be with his people stretches all the way back to the Old Testament, don't you know? And just one of the zillion passages, Exodus 3.12 and is central to his work in Christ. So Matthew one twenty three, right? Um, that's the Emmanuel passage. So Jesus's quote-unquote name, right? Mm-hmm. Like one of his titles or whatever, God God is with us. And then, of course, at the end of the gospel, the big like kind of uh, encouragement at the end of the Great Commission. I will be with you. Always, even to the end of the age, right? I will be with you. Uh, so that's interesting. Ma- you get Matthew that in Revelation was, that's also. that book ending concept, right? Where yeah, like, yeah. the same thing is mentioned at the beginning as the end. Talk about book ending. The spirit is hovering over the darkness in creation. And then at the end of Revelation, yeah. you get, I will be with you always. Oh my goodness. This, yes. The spirit inviting us. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, how does a knowledge of God's presence give us courage to build God's kingdom in the face of hardship? Man, God's presence is like the only is the only thing that really does that we really can seed courage in mm-hmm. to do this. Yeah, um, we talk about uh, the, the New Testament all over the place talks about this theme of us as the temple mm. believers, the the united uh, body of believers being the place where God's Spirit dwells. Now, yes, um, the presence of God's Spirit is what the like is the tangible realization of the life that we have in, in Christ and as a result of believing. So mm. like that life that motivates us to know, Hey, this is worth this hardship Yeah, that like that's synonymous with experiencing the presence of God. Right. Yeah. I'm not making this very grounded. That's pretty airy, but to use a lot of the same language that the new Testament authors would use, yeah. right? Like us experiencing like our bodies being temples of the Holy spirit, um, whom we've received from God. It, like that is the best and only true like 
motivator to be courageous in the face of hardship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the idea of the presence, the, the, the experience of the presence of God is an interesting concept to some extent. Um, mm-hmm. as, as a pastor, and I'm sure you've probably had this discussion, many of you in your groups, um, people aren't always aware of God's presence with them because they're looking for something like a subjective feeling. And I'm not against subjective feelings. I think that uh, I'm very Edwardsian in that sense, right? That I think that feelings are a critical part of our faith, but they need to be directed at truth, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm all about that. But um, having said that, like, the question is, do I trust my own God antenna (laughs) or do I trust what Jesus tells us in his word? Yeah. Right, like I will be with you always to the end of the age. Right, I will be with you. Like all, like honestly, like if you just do a search for "I will be with you" uh, and variants of that form, like it's all over the Bible. He's saying that all the time, Old Testament, New Testament, and the way in which he's with us in Christ mm-hmm. is like the apex of that in history. Like, so I guess the point is, is that like you know if sometimes we feel like we have reason to doubt that God is with us because somehow we don't feel it. Um, I don't see a lot of promises like I'll be with you and you'll feel it. And here's how you'll be able to discern it. No, the way you know he's with you is because he's told you he is. And that's very, I think that's actually more comforting than like saying that I know that God's spirit is with me because I feel it. Mm -hmm. Because, um, right because it's it's a much surer thing than the fickleness of my feelings like like i can't even tell like what the reason is for this pain in my elbow you know like that's how 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 much knowledge i have about my own sensations Mm -hmm. and things like that like uh, and emotionally right like i don't know how i feel about this i've i feel one way in the morning i feel another at night it's you know, it might be that breakfast burrito that I had or, you know, maybe I had too many carbs yesterday or something, <laughs> you know, like all these different things affect our feelings and emotions. But what doesn't change is God's promise to be to be with us in, in what we do in, in serving him. And like, that's how I know that I am never alone, um, even even if everybody even if, you know, ev- everybody else seems far from me, like he's always with me. And um, even if my sin is in the picture, he's conquered my sin. Yep. Um, and he so sees you as pure. Yeah, yeah. I had a, um, I had quite the, uh, the, the time. We don't have the time to jump into something like this right now. But I had quite the, uh, like experience with this concept and this struggle of mm. thought um, in middle school. I felt mm. very much. Sa- I felt saved as a as a middle schooler and just just like a young middle schooler and so mm. by the time i was older in eighth eighth or ninth grade i distinctly remember like i no longer felt saved mm. and that really messed with me um yeah. and god god used that in really cool and redemptive ways he pushed me into scripture to be like well what does this say like am i did i misunderstand this like um but that's a that was a deep true like 
intense fear and anxiety in my life as mm. as uh, someone early in faith at that time. Yeah. Um, so that really that really can be something. You don't you don't have to be young to have that same fear, and that really is seated in that same experience of like, well, I had a good experience with God, so I assume that's what this that's what walking with God feels like. Yeah. It's like, man, walking with God is so much better than that feeling. <laughs> it's so much better. Yeah. Yeah. That feeling is a it's a good part, right? But mm. yeah. Yeah, it's a, but it's, it's, and it's not guaranteed, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, Yeah. All right. So, uh, what does Jesus mean by telling Paul, I have many in this city who are my people? And how does this encourage us to endure hardship and ministry? This is the passage where we all become Calvinists. Uh, Among several in Acts, yes. Uh, (laughs) I'm not going to use this as my high horse here, but um, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I'm struggling to not explain it in explicitly uh, reformed theological terms. Go for it. Go do, do it. <laughs> well, and I, I will. I will back up a little bit. If, okay. If, if, <laughs> you don't have to. If it doesn't, you if don't it doesn't have feel. to. You're like, so, I'm going to explain it. It'll yeah. be right. So you don't need to. <laughs> so I mean, like, um, with yeah, with with uh, like five minutes left on the podcast here, you know, I I think it's very biblical to say yeah. that that God um, that salvation is. Uh, in every respect, the work of God, yep. and that um, it is His uh, His um, election of us to be His own that makes us His own. As He tell, as Jesus tells us um, in the Gospel of John, right, that those whom the Father gives Him come to Him, yeah. and um, God is not confused. I mean, even if you have like a weaker view of of election than I do, right? I do, you know, say chosen from before the foundation of the world, that it's unconditional. It's not based on foreseen faith. It's mm-hmm. not based on works of righteousness or anything like that. It's it's based on the mysterious will of God, mm-hmm. the good will of God, and um, but even if you back off from that a little bit, right? It's and and still God knows all things. It's not as if God's like, I wonder if that guy's going to become a believer. Yeah. You know? Um, and so, yeah, like I think realizing that in that sense, like that knowledge kind of makes me feel like doing ministry is, I may have used this illustration on this uh, podcast before, but it's kind of like bring your kid to work day where it's like, why don't you help daddy, uh, at work today, you're going to be his helper, and but maybe that's them playing it. It's not as if we don't do anything, right? But but um, in essence, like it's God allowing us um, to 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 serve, to to do the work that really He's doing, yep. to participate in what He's doing, yep. and He knows who it is that He's go- who, whom He's going to save, how He's going to do it, when He's going to do it, and we are the means by which He does it. Um, so yeah, that's how I kind of, how, how, how I kind of read that. And for, for, uh, you know, and, and I think like you find this elsewhere, like as many as were appointed to eternal life believed, yeah. you know, we see that several times. And so I think like, um, when it comes to do enduring hardship in ministry, like, um, just re- again, realizing that it's God who is at work in every respect through what you do. Mm-hmm. Like that means that like my labor's not in vain. I'm being faithful to God, and even though there might be things that are discouraging, um, when God wants to work, He will work. 
you know yeah um, yeah absolutely your I, thoughts <laughs> no I, I find it super encouraging personally because like to know um that so we, what we know is that god desires all to be saved mm. right and he looks at the city and in that desire he says i have many in the city who are my people mm-hmm. um and so it's it's cool uh i i feel like this the 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 conversation that we were joking about like as if we don't have enough time to share which we don't like that is often downplayed no Um, one side or the other often straw man's one or the other in the bible and it's Mm -hmm. like no no no. god has this deep and true desire that life be cultivated that people's hearts come to know him that people dwell with him for eternity and at the same time god is the one who ultimately opens eyes and ears uh softens hearts um, yeah. It enables uh, people to understand and believe he gave you the mind in the first it's, place. It's not just merely it. me making a good decision. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And um, so it's it's a reality to walk with both of those both those different sides of that. It, it encourages me because it is this God who uh, is full of love and loves me, telling me there are people whom I can love in this city. Yeah. Um, and there are people who will receive you because they are mine. And like from the beginning, I've known that they will receive that love. And if you contextualize it to the other things that we've already seen in this chapter, some of the people who are telling you to get lost, Paul, might be them. Think yeah. about Crispus. I think, you know? think about the leader of those people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he came yeah. to understand. So like, yeah. Yep. Unlikely converts. Yeah. There you go. Um. How have either or both of these promises been a help to you personally? Yeah, so those two promises are, I have many people in, who are my people. Mm-hmm. And, right? and, and, I, and I am with you. And I'm with yeah. you always. Yeah. 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 So, uh, I mean, for me, um, uh, as, you know, kind of like vocational Bible teacher, but it hasn't always been that way. Sometimes, uh, you know, I was a, I haven't always like done it as like my, like, like my job <laughs> like to teach, to teach the Bible. But I know, like, um, I remember way back when, um, when I, some of my first teaching was at a young adults group back at the chapel. It was Jacksonville Chapel at the time. And I remember this guy, Bob, whom I used to play on the band with, in the band with. And he, um, I, I had to preach, and I forget what the passage was. I was giving the lesson that night. And I was like, I don't know how this is going to be received. And he's like, are you saying what the text says? And I was like, Yeah. Yeah, this is what this is what it says, and he's like, "Then it's your job to give these people the the word of God. It's not it's not your job to, um, to, to worry about the results. Your responsibility is to tell them what this means and what this says and how it's relevant to them." And um, and that was just so encouraging, and and knowing like you're standing behind the word of God, mm-hmm. and that's why I think. Christian teaching, it's so important that it is scriptural and explicitly scriptural, right? Like, mm-hmm. like here's what the Bible says, and here's how you can, where you can see the Bible is saying this, so that the people as much as possible know this is coming from God. This is God's word speaking, yeah. and all I'm doing is explaining it, maybe putting it in different words, maybe showing you different ways that it might apply and things like that. But like, I'm going to cling as closely as possible to that because the further I walk, the all that I have to give them is me and I mm-hmm. suck. You know, like I'm not going to like I want to give them Jesus and Jesus is is not found in my imagination. Yeah. He's found in he's found in, in scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, why don't I read this last passage for us? All right. Because our time is running. It is running. So 
Acts 18, 12 to 17. Mm-hmm. Ready? And I'm still in NLT, so here we go. But when Gallio became governor of Achaia, some Jews rose up together against Paul and brought him before the governor for judgment. They accused Paul of persuading people to worship God in ways that are contrary to our law. But just as Paul started to make his defense, Gallio turned to Paul's accusers and said, Listen, you Jews, if this were a case involving some wrongdoing or a serious crime, I would have reason to accept your case. But since it is merely a question of words and names and your Jewish law, take care of it yourselves. I refuse to judge such matters. And he threw them out of the courtroom. And the crowd then grabbed Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and beat him right there in the courtroom. But Gallio paid no attention. Mm, yes, <laughs> interesting feat. Now, I think what's going on there, just FYI, it's a little unclear why they decide to um, to get Sosthenes. And like they're like, let's get him. You know, um, uh, interestingly, right, Crispus was the ruler of the synagogue. He's Here, it's anymore. another guy, right? <laughs> that took two verses. It, it, yeah, it, it, appears, it appears to be that... Um, that they are dissatisfied with his lack of success in persuading Gallio to do something. Like, mm. we came here, you were supposed to talk to this guy. Like, like that's how angry they are. But it's unclear why they're like, let's get Sosthenes. Um, um, so, is, um, there any, is there anything in that that's like, um, the, like the people listening to Gallio's, Gallio's like judgment of them like, this isn't a justice issue. Why would you do this? It's unjust that you would try and bring him here. And that's like, is is it that kind of thing? Like, they are angry at Sassanese for, for bringing to, it to, for, for trying to have Galio yeah, do it. Yeah. Because the only reason I ask is because yeah. I have a, a footnote on here. And again, I don't, the NLT's footnotes are not, not other Bibles footnotes, but, mm. um, uh, this is uh, this is saying that it's everyone egg, or like all the Greeks there essentially. Mm. Um, well, the the thing that I think would maybe suggest that like they are all of the same mind that it's a good idea to uh, is that it does describe it in verse twelve as a united att- they made a united attack mm-hmm. on Paul. Yeah, uh, I forget how they rose up, rose up together. Yeah, rose up yeah. together. Um, so and, and brought him before the tribunal. So it seems like everybody there is on the same page. And we also saw, was it in Philippi, I think, where they, um, or was it in Thessalonica? Yeah, it was in Thessalonica, where um, they went and tried to persuade the authorities there and have them do something about it. Gotcha. And just as with the, the chief priests and stuff with Jesus, the idea is that it's more, there's more legal leverage behind the Romans doing it than it is just like mob Jewish justice, you know, or mob, a mob action. It's not justice, but okay. Uh, leaders, here's another uh, fun historical thing. An inscription commissioned by Claudius written to Gallio, it's called the Delphi inscription, reveals that the date of Gallio's proconsulship, proconsul, that all, all that is is you're a leader in a Roman province, in, in a place that has the status of a province, um, in Achaia is 49 AD. In other words, we know the date pretty much. He had to step down because he was sick. Um and that gives us an important anchor point for dating his ministry in, Paul, in Corinth. That is, we know it's that Paul is in, before that. He, he's there. Yeah, he's there in about, and it's and it's only like a year or so that he's proconsul. Yeah. So we know that this event is about AD uh, forty nine. 
Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. So uh, God guards Paul and his ministry through Gallio's refusal to involve himself in religious disputes among the Jewish people. This is a very natural thing, but it is clearly intended by Luke to be a mark of God's providential protection, right? Luke, Luke the author of Acts. Yes, Luke, the author of Acts, yes. Yep. Uh, why is it important to see God's hand in the everyday workings of life and not just in blatantly supernatural interventions? That's an entire worldview mindset question. It is. It's a great one. It's an important worldview to have, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It's just how, in the way that your boss responded to you at work or what responsibilities fell on you, how is that, um, how is that God's hand at work? Yeah. I see two important things. Number one, that when things don't go well, it is helpful to see them as coming from the hand of a loving father rather than, you know, someone's a jerk and God just doesn't have a handle on the situation. Yeah. Num number two, and then, and then I'll, I'll shut up about this one, but I think it's also important to give God his, his due in praise, right? Mm -hmm. That when things go well, even though it's not like some crazy coincidence or some, you know, like obvious, like miracle or something, the majority of the things that God does in this world are totally explicable through natural cause and effect, yet he is doing them too, yeah. right? Like that's just how he's working. And so if the majority of things, if I'm not praising him also for those things, I'm not praising God for a lot that he's doing. Yeah, and I think it's also, it's it's worth mentioning that we still have this very, like, even just 200 or just 200 plus year old perspective um, as, a, as a society and as a culture that miracles are things that are sub, like, over and above and anti-natural, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah. that God breaks into the natural world, which ticks on on its own without yeah. God otherwise. It's very and that's human. Yeah, like, that, that's yeah. not really the, the, like, the biblical understanding of the way God works in this world. He mm -hmm. is the fine, he is the, like, uh, the sustainer and the author. Not just the creator, he's the one that is actively keeping all things in existence at all times. Yeah. And so, like, when... Uh, the the it, really weird example of this is like in the Old Testament, one of the ways that the high priests would discern the will of God in one way or another uh, is with yeah. basically dice. Yeah. Um, and that freaks us out. That makes us really uncomfortable. But like yeah. in a worldview where God is the sovereign ruler of those things and that God instituted that as a particular way, yeah. not just randomly, let me decide that God will do this if I throw these dice. Yeah. Like um, that's really interesting. Like, God probably is fully not in control over those like, things. Like, like Vegas dice or yes, even yeah. in a like geek game, 10-sided <laughs> dice. It's a, it's a tw D20. Is, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but it's interesting because the idea is from, the, from a biblical perspective, this mm -hmm. worldview of God's involvement in our actions is not like sometimes we see God work in our actions. It is God is the producer of all it. of these yeah. things. Yeah, exactly. Which and so like if it's that means that I truly like if even if I'm trying really hard to do something and it goes well, it's not like well I God still gets the praise for it. Yeah. Right. Where like yeah, exactly. Paul's like you know talks about how hard he works and then he says but not, not I, I but yeah, God but God who works in me. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, Prayer time. Praise God for the specific things with which he has provided you in your ministry to others and pray for specific ways that you want, keyword here, specific, mm -hmm. specific ways that you want God to help you in the ministry that he has given you. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. Hope this has, uh, hope this motivates some really awesome discussions. That's right. So thank you for joining us. And as always, we are praying for you and have a great week and we will see you or at least talk to you 
next week. Bye-bye.